Welcome to the Clubhouse with Shane Bacon. I am your host, Shane Bacon, live from Aaron Hills. We are trying to avoid a bit of weather, but wanted to get you guys a Clubhouse podcast this week with Curtis Strange, two-time U.S. Open champion, something Dustin Johnson, of course, is trying to do this week with a small guest appearance by Paul Azinger, backed by popular demand. Of course, this week's episode, as always, is brought to you by OGO. Just a reminder, if you haven't checked out their backpack selection, you're doing it wrong. Check out the Renegade Backpack. It's my favorite one at OGO, and I'm telling you, it has everything you need to bring everything you need around. I've got so many pockets. I think right now I have. Here's what I've got in my backpack. I'm actually looking at it. I've got my laptop, my iPad, headphones, Bluetooth headphones, two media guides, two jackets, two water bottles, and my media badge. That's all in my backpack. Plus, I've got some snacks. My wife always leaves me a couple of snacks, like some beef jerky and some almonds and stuff like that before I go on trips. That's the Renegade backpack from OGO. I'm telling you, you can carry everything you need. I'll be putting this microphone right back in it as I head off to another meeting here in just a little bit at Aaron Hills. So make sure you check out their selection and everything at OGO.com. I promise you will not be disappointed. And just a quick reminder for everyone, the U.S. Open, of course, gets going tomorrow. 11 a.m. Eastern, it gets going on FS1. It moves to Fox at 6 p.m. Eastern. Friday, the same thing. Saturdays, 11 a.m. to 8, all on Fox. Sunday, 11 a.m. to 8.30 p.m., or, of course, whenever it ends. That's on Fox as well. And also, the playoff will be on Fox, and that starts at 11 a.m. on Monday. And I'm telling you, I've got this feeling. I've got a feeling we're going to get a playoff. We've never gone nine years without a playoff in the U.S. Open. And I've got an itching feeling. Hopefully you got a chance to watch our show today. We do a little preview show. Really the first time anyone's done that. We've done it for a couple of years. It was on FS1. It was a chance to watch guys on the driving range, guys on their practice rounds, get really introduced to what Aaron Hills is all about. It's going to be fairly lengthy. Fescue may or may not come into play, depending on which hole you're playing at this point. I got a chance to chat with with Rory McIlroy a bit. He said he's feeling great. He said he hadn't been able to do much in the gym. But he said he's feeling solid, feels healthy. He is ready to go. I feel like a lot of people are picking him, even though he hasn't played a ton of golf this season. I got a chance to talk to my sleeper, Steven Yeager, and he said he likes the golf course. I'm telling you guys, I've reminded you over and over again, this is the guy to look at, Steven Yeager, Azure Sleeper, 2017's Andrew Landry. Stuart Hagestead's got about nine people following with these sombreros on that are his buddies. They uh, they were having a really good time today. I mean, he is living the life Hagestead is, as he should be. But it was just a fun day on the driving range. Dustin's here, of course, after the birth of his second son. So a lot of storylines here at Aaron Hills as we get set to start this U.S. Open Championship. A lot of unknown storylines as well. I mean, we we talked to Rory. Not totally sure what to expect with Rory. Not totally sure what to expect with Dustin Johnson. There is a lot of things as we get set, but there's going to be a ton of coverage, plus digital coverage on Fox Sports Go. They've got featured groups. Included in that group is Rory, Jordan Spieth. Uh, Rom, Hideki Matsuyama, a lot of big names. You can watch every single one of their shots on Fox Sports Go. So check that out. I would just advise you, call in sick Thursday, Friday, have your TV on FS1 or Fox, and have your tablets, get both of them set up with the digital feeds. You can watch everything that's happening at Aaron Hills. Maybe you'll see me interview a couple of people. But that will do it for me. Time to get to our chat with a couple of major winners. And as promised... We welcome in Curtis Strange and special guest, Paul Azinger. Guys, we are a day away from the U.S. Open beginning. So we're... I'm not a special guest, but Paul is. Well, you're the main guest. Okay. Oh, I get, okay. See, I see get. now, Paul Paul did the podcast last week. He was great. People love you, Paul. When you well, will you ever, like, not be that competitive? 
ever Curtis. in your Curtis in your life, it's, Curtis. It's you don't change you don't change your stripes. <laughs> I'm sorry. You know, Let's somebody asked me one time, when are you gonna let your son beat you at golf? Never. Because it would meet be it would lesser him and lesser me. The time he beats you and he you play your guts out and he plays hard to beat you, that means something. I agree with you. Yeah? My well, dad, yeah, go ahead. Well, I just wanted to ask you guys, I mean, you know, Aaron Hills is a golf course people are gonna see on Thursday throughout the next four days. It's a place I mean, I'm sure even Jordan Speeth mentioned he didn't know a lot about it at the US Amateur back in two thousand eleven when he returned. I mean, it took him a little bit of time to realize certain holes and such. You guys have been here for, for three days. We've had fescue issues. We've had, you know, these greens have remained perfect. It hadn't been like chambers where they've gotten a little bit bumpier. What do you guys expect to see, not just player-wise and how it's going to play, but score-wise? Do you think this is a very scorable golf course for U.S. Open? If it's like the conditions were today, yes. But we don't anticipate that. We anticipate a lot of rain tonight, quite frankly, which will keep the golf course soft, make it more playable. Anytime you get rain, the golf course becomes more playable and more scorable. But the one element that we just, the unknown is the wind. The wind is the key here. Uh, that'll draw the golf course out for the weekend. That'll make driving in these wide fairways a little tougher and tougher to judge iron shots up and down. Remember, there's 14 blind shots on this golf course. And I think, Paul, we need wind to keep the scores up. I think the scores aren't going to be that low, but the wind is the unknown. It is, and uh, it's a sandy soil, so hopefully it'll drain. Uh, but there are four par fives, and then you probably have three wedges after that, so that's a minimum seven a day. Uh, that's 28 wedges, so that's, you know, the wedges are, to me, that's the club that you're going right at it. And um, so I think we're going to see more birdies than we have in the past U.S. Opens, but the course is easily defended by wind, I can tell you that. And then the USGA has a knack for cutting holes in areas where you're just a little bit uncomfortable. So I think in the newness of the golf course, too, is something um, – uh, it's an awkward-looking little golf course, you know, as Curtis alluded to, the blind shots and a lot of elevation changes and all that. And really a lot depends on preparation. And, Curtis, I don't know about you. You won two U.S. Opens. I never felt like I was fully prepared to get started at any U.S. Open. It was certainly different now with so many different tees. Uh, I asked caddies and players today, how do you prepare when they potentially could play a different tee on every hole every day? It's one thing when we used to play U.S. Opens when they played the tips on one tee, yeah. grew a lot of rough, and let's go play guys. Yeah. Now they have so many of these different tees at Aaron Hills, it's really going to be tough to prepare exact. One of the caddies said, and I liked his answer, said, you know, it's, just, it's going to be numbers. We will have good numbers, and you're going to have to trust your eye. And that's about it. Yeah, I think uh, the, the one thing that, that really good players have the ability to do uh, is adjust and to be situationally aware. Uh, when the conditions change, it's a two-man game out there. You and your caddy have got to figure it out. Uh, Curtis won in a playoff, and then you won by a shot maybe at the other U.S. Open. So the caddy-player re relationship can be massive here, probably more so here than anywhere uh, because of the unknown. And, uh, you know, you got a lot to learn here. It's not just where the tees are going to be, but how the ball going to react around these greens with some of these slopes and undulations and that sort of thing. And uh, I, I really believe Dustin Johnson, guys like Spieth, Roy McIlroy, they pride themselves in their ability to learn a place quickly. And that's going to be a real challenge for them here. Yeah, well, Paul, you guys talked about this during our show today on FS1. You guys talked about Jordan Spieth and him and his caddies conversations, the we factor in this. When you guys played, I mean, it was you. You were in charge of yourselves. I mean, you never really mentioned 
the caddy per se back when you guys were playing. I mean, you mentioned that you really believe that it falls on Spieth, and I mean, maybe not the biggest fan of the we. I mean, it's more I at the end of the day. We didn't chunk it in the water twice at number twelve at Augusta. He did, and and uh, you know we didn't hit that putt. He did. That's the way I look at it, and I think it's humility on steroids. And uh, Faction made a point that it was more of a kind of a team concept. Me, my trainer, my dietitian, my shrink, my caddy, and they go into this we thing as a way to take pressure off themselves. And, you know, it's not like serenity now out there, bro. It's not this kumbaya, I just want to be happy and all this. That's not how it works. It's a torture chamber in your mind, and it takes hours and hours to get through it. And and especially this week. It's like that every Every round on tour, uh, you have to remember every round on tour, and especially this week, there's that two or three times you come up against an obstacle and you have to bust through that door. And those who bust through the door will be there Thursday after, or fr- Sunday afternoon. Those who give in to it mentally or physically will be down the list. Uh, you made a good point on the, the we thing this this. Uh, in the in the new millennial modern era, you know, I wanted it to just be me. Yeah. I wanted to be able to to <clears throat> if I didn't do well, I blame myself. There was something I didn't do well, or I made some mistakes mentally. We didn't make many mistakes mentally. You have a yardage, you pull a club, you hit the shot. And you didn't I blame mean, your caddy, and you I didn't, didn't blame, blame your my caddy. caddy. But but at the same <clears throat> token, when I played well, I took the credit. Right, and that was key. Because I didn't want to say we. Nobody, none of this we stuff hit any shots other than I did. Curtis, I have a question. I want you to answer for Paul. Paul, I'm going to have you answer for Curtis. Is there a player in the field this week that you feel like resembles the player that Paul Azinger was? He's got the best grip. (laughs) (laughs) You know, know, there's guys. All the top players, Paul was a gutsy grinder, okay? Paul's career, when I when I talk about Paul Azinger, Paul's career was cut short, quite frankly, and uh, by that dreadful disease. But he overcame that, and he overcame that and won another event. God bless him. You know, that's, that, that's a comeback unlike anything else. We talk about tough comebacks from devastating defeats or whatever. Come back from beating cancer. That's a, that's a pretty good obstacle. So I look at Paul that way. Uh, and... To look at a player in the field, you know, you mentioned a guy today, a Kevin Kisner is a tough guy. Pat Perez is a tough guy. I like, uh, uh, there's a couple others that escape me now. But, you know, all the top players are hard competitors. Right. You know, Dustin Johnson looks like nothing bothers him. Are you kidding me? Yeah. That stomach is churning inside. Better believe If it's not, there's something wrong. Well, and I look at, you know, if you want... Curtis had the guts of a burglar, man. That's just the way it is. And when you knew Curtis was out there, you felt like, you know, he's probably gonna be he's probably not gonna give it to you. And he didn't. Very seldom would you ever see Curtis drop off the leaderboard. And uh it's just it's so different now. I think I really admire the players now to be able to deal with social media and to have twenty-four hour golf channel covering their every move. I'm so thankful I didn't have to deal with that. And I gotta tell you something, you know, well, you may think People perceive you as tough or maybe perceive me as tough or gutsy or whatever, but I didn't feel that way. It was tough, dude. I mean, it was hard. I was picking We're out. all insecure yeah, in our right. own swings and our own mind. I'm we picking really one cornflake at a time out of that bowl on Sunday right. morning if I had to lead. But occasionally <laughs> you'll see a guy wolfing down waffles like 
Phil Mickelson wolfing down three waffles, two fried eggs, and caking it with butter and syrup like it doesn't bother him. There's two different ways to go about it. But I was more of a insecure player in that regard. Uh, but it was it was always a grind. Nothing ever came easy. I mean, no. I feel like the insecurities that you guys talk about with your own golf games now are easy to spot because players have so much equipment. I mean, they're always moving new driver, new wedge, new putter. I mean, they're always switching these things in and out. New coach, new caddy. It feels like those insecurities are almost presented that way with the new age player because that's what they have available to themselves. They can always go grab a new driver. They can always go grab a new putter. I mean, there weren't nine putter bags next to a putting room when you guys played. I mean, that wasn't how it was. You guys just had to go play with the equipment you got. For goodness sakes, you probably pulled some clubs out of an old box. Or well, not quite like that. We had good equipment, <laughs> but if you did break a driver or your driver persimmon hit broke, was it, it was very tough to find something sane. And to me, there's pros and cons with that. Back when that happened in the day, you know, you learned how to play with those clubs. There was a lot of feel and a little touchy-feely and hands and, and learning how to play with a specific club because the shafts weren't as good. The clubs were good, but the shafts weren't as consistent. You had the Woodwoods steel shafts. Uh, they do have all that available to them, and they still all play with their hands and feel, but it's a little bit different. I, and, and then the team concept, I do like this. I think having some guy, a sports psychologist around you, X amount of times in a year is probably a good thing because he's telling you how damn good you are all right. the time. Uh-huh. And that's a good, that's a positive. And to have your swing coach around, I had mine around, I went to see him once a year. To have him around a dozen times a year keeps you out of those lows. We would play well, but you might get into a bad habit and you didn't figure that out until you were really entrenched in that bad habit. <laughs> now it keeps them from doing that. So that's a good thing as well. So there's good and bad. Um, I like the old days. I kind of like the old days, too. I mean, I didn't need anybody to babysit me. I saw my coach three or four times a year at the yeah. most, and it was always off campus, dude. I didn't see him on the road. No. And when, when if your coach wanted to be out there with you on the road, it was because he wanted to be seen. And I wasn't any bit about any of that. I'm like, no, let me go ahead and do my thing. But, man, they're under a microscope today. I think the anxiety and the pressure they deal with today is probably greater than what we dealt with. Um, every single stat known to man, every weakness that you may ever have. You know, I remember when Dave Pels was – um, Sharon, that Tom Kite identified Tom Kite was uh, his weakness was his six iron. I'm like, okay, so that's a lot of data collected, and Kite was weak with a six iron. But you know, I don't want anybody telling me my six iron's weak. I'm not as good with my six iron. I don't want it. I believe I was good with every club. Don't tell me it's but not now, the arrow. It's the Indian right. on the end of the six iron. It really right. And but now you got a network that's got every stat that's ever been and it's being unleashed to the general public and then you got every Tom, Dick, and Harry sitting in a basement with his wife beater shirt on texting or tweeting you uh, how bad you are with your six iron. Right. And why are you stink with your wedges? And, you know, come on, man. It's harder today if you ask me. I think it's harder. It's just harder simply because of the microscope. Listen, it's harder. And, you know, I admire a guy that can launch that ball up in the air for eight or nine seconds. That's not how I played. But, buddy, you can make a mockery of a hole by cutting a dog leg with that kind of power, but you got to have the, you know what, to get it, to be willing to do it. you got to be pretty brave to be willing to take over, take on a corner, make a mockery of a hole one day, and make triple on it the next. And, Paul, last thing I'm going to let you go, I know you got to run. Um, do, you, do you have an old-school type of player that you feel like plays in today's game, somebody that reminds you kind of, of, of the olden type of guy, the grinder? What's the guy's name that won last week? Uh, the Memphis. Oh, Daniel Berger. Man, if that ain't old school, blue collar, I've never seen it. Tommy Two Gloves, that's some blue collar stuff. And uh, those guys, they're grinders. Then um, 
you know, I admire that. But it's not to minimize that Dustin Johnson's not grinding. You know, there was you look at where Dustin Johnson is at the top, and I'm telling you right now, 20 years ago, you'd be like, this dude can't play dead from there. <laughs> not dead. And now he's the best player on the planet. Come on. It's a different, different game. I admire what they do today. Um, what we did was tough. I mean, it was. It was tough for on everybody. Um, the safe house that Jordan Spieth has, that's a bunch of baloney, buddy. That safe house isn't shutting off that mind. Not and between the ears? Yeah. No. And they're all looking at social media, their brand building. And the only thing I don't like about the tour today is how much they kumbaya each other and how much they congratulate and love each other on social media. But it's a brand building fest and good for them. Some of these guys are making millions of dollars off the course and they've only won three tournaments or something. So, yeah. I'm happy for them and uh, I'm happy to cover them this week. I think this is going to be one very exciting US Open. I really believe we're going to see a lot more birdies here than normal, but uh, there's some going to be some carnage too. It's it's still a very hard golf course. I hope the wind blows so that it plays the way the USJ has intended it to play. Yeah, for sure. Saw a top 10 player hit seven Thanks. balls in the fescue today. Paul, yeah, Paul's going to run. Uh, we'll let him go. And Curtis Watt. Curtis, Paul. do not cuss on this podcast. <laughs> See y'all. Yeah, for sure. And and while Paul gets out, um, just wanted to let you guys know, Golf's second major of 2017 tees off this Thursday, as you know, and DraftKings.com has a $100,000 contest that's totally free to enter. When you play one-week fantasy golf at DraftKings, you'll be locked in on every drive, every approach, and every putt. Plus, fantasy golf at DraftKings is easy to play. Remember, the tournament starts this Thursday. The championship starts this Thursday. So hurry to DraftKings.com now to choose your golfers. And be sure to promo code CLUBHOUSE to enter the free $100,000 contest. That's promo code CLUBHOUSE. The games inside the game eligibility restrictions may apply. See DraftKings.com for details. And Curtis, since I'm mentioning this about DraftKings, you have three players that you're kind of circling as you're looking throughout the field at this week that you feel like have a really good chance to win at Aaron Hills. I, I do. And, and I preface my answer by saying it could come from any 10 or 15 players uh, that's where you're going but, though, not outside of that you know I I, I just don't know uh, this is a different US Open golf course wider fairways no rough around the greens uh, it's going to be soft all week uh, I think it might open it up a bit it really did what when I say top 10 10 or 15 players there's a lot of pressure on the weekend and the, and the cream does rise at the top. But I just don't know exactly what's going to happen here because this is not an or, ordinarily uh, difficult, tight driving golf course. Now, if, to answer your question, uh, Dustin Johnson is, is, I think, the heavy favorite. Uh, I know he lost a lot of momentum when he, he injured himself at the Masters. He admitted that. Uh, he, was, he was bulletproof at that time. But I still think coming back to the U.S. Open – He's such a talent, and these with these wide fairways, it frees him up off the tee a little bit. I like uh, I like Roy McIlroy because of his length, and he's shown he can do it. He's a four-time major champion. Uh, I think he's out to prove that he he can continue on. Uh, and I like Jason Day. I really like Jason Day's game. I always have, even before he won his first major. But. Um, he seemed to be injury prone, but again, his length, his stats uh, in the U.S. Open are phenomenal. Uh, he's played well in the Masters. He's shown that on the big stage he can do it. He hadn't gotten it done a lot yet, but I think that you know this could very well be a week. Yeah, I mean, it's interesting. We're, we're coming into a major with six first-time major winners. I mean, mm-hmm. and included in there now is Jason Day and Dustin Johnson and Sergio Garcia and Henrik Stinson. I mean, these aren't guys you that are that are that are you know one-hit wonder type of players. Right. 
But I mean, we are coming in. We went through a phase where we had Rory and Jordan Spieth and Jason Day win in a row. And now we have an era where it's, it's all one-time winners. And, and I do find it interesting. You're talking about the golf course being different. So in your opinion, do you feel like those traditional style U.S. Open courses, the Oakmonts, the Shinnecocks, the Wingfoots, the Pebbles, do, do they almost create the, the similar type of champion throughout the year, throughout the existence of them being around? You know, good question. Um, I think there is a certain type of U.S. Open player. It doesn't mean a big bomber can't win on a tight, short golf course, but I think there's a there's a certain amount of patience you have to 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 uh, have to to play four rounds in a very very tough tough penal golf course. Um, I think you have to learn how to play the U.S. Open to start with. You have to learn how to grind for par. You have to change your psychology when you come in here. As Paul said, I agree they're going to make more birdies here than normal, but. Ordinarily, you make 15 or 20 birdies on tour in a week. Here in a normal U.S. Open, you might make seven or eight and win. So you have to accept that fact. Par is always a good score. And uh, there's a certain guy out there. The, the, the example that I always used, that a guy that didn't win the US, U.S. Open and I thought had a tailor-made game for it, but he didn't have the patience for it, was Lanny Watkins. Dear friend of mine since junior golf in Virginia. Always, he was one of the straightest drivers and ironers. Iron players of, of, of golf has ever seen, but he didn't have the patience and the ability to grind for that par, and he played too aggressively. And that's that's my best example of somebody who didn't win here. Um, you know, the U.S. Open doesn't owe anybody anything. It's a tough grind. It's a marathon out there, and those who can get it done, it's a long, long test of golf. Well, and you mentioned Dustin Johnson being a favorite of yours. I think he's a favorite amongst everybody. Oh, yeah, I wrote yeah. that he's the guy. I said the, since the first time since Tiger, he is the guy to beat in a major. And that's true. That's true. I mean, he is the guy that everyone is looking at saying he's the best chance of his A games here. We got no chance. Mm-hmm. So take me back to 1989. You win the 1988 U.S. Open and you get to the 1989 U.S. Open as the defending champion. How are you able to block all of that stuff out? and play four solid rounds good enough to win back-to-back? Because, you know, not many people have done that. And Dustin's trying to do it this week. Well, I didn't, you know, nobody gave me a chance because it had not been done in so many years, Ben Hogan being the last back in the early 50s. Uh, I was playing pretty well. I wanted to go in and defend my championship. I think the one thing you have to remember, in Dustin's case this year, or Martin Keimer's a couple of years ago, or Jordan Spieth, being a defender – we write that there's a lot more pressure than there really is. Okay. There's some more attention, yes. There's press, there's people, there's recognition, and, and then there's more more press. But once you get on the golf course, that's your safe haven. Absolutely. This is what you prepare. You play your practice rounds. Uh, Dustin came in a week or two ago, played a couple of rounds. He knows what, what's going on out there. Uh, once he gets on the golf course, he'll be just fine. Uh but in 89, I, I went in there playing decent. Uh, I, I was very fortunate. Uh, my whole key to the entire week was shooting a good second round. I played, you know, decent golf the other three, and I've had to play a great third round or second round in 64, which basically won the golf tournament. I mean, did you? I mean, I, I know it's hard to think back to 1989, for goodness sakes, but. No, I, I remember a lot. Okay, okay. <laughs> I, mean, I, I mean, I'm yeah. sure you do. I'm sure it pops up. I'm sure you get those feelings, those goosebumps yeah. again. But, I mean,. When you get to the third round and the fourth round, and knowing you have a chance to to do something historical, and, yeah. and really, I would say probably the hardest thing in golf to do is to win the U.S. Open back to back. I mean, if you look at at history, it says that's probably mm-hmm. the hardest thing to do, maybe outside of winning the Grand Slam. Mm-hmm. 
I mean, were, did you did you start to feel nerves that maybe you'd never felt before, even when you won the first one? I, I'll, I'll tell you exactly what happened. Nobody talked about me defending. I shot 64 and I got the lead. Now, I didn't know who the last guy back-to-back was. The next Saturday morning, I read it's Ben Hogan. Hadn't been done in so many years. Okay, <laughs> Decent Mr. name to follow. So, Mr. Hogan, I appreciate that. And there was a little more pressure there. It absolutely was. And I didn't play well the third round. I think I shot 74. Tom Kite had a three-shot lead. And um, uh, you're looking that up right now. I got but, it right. You're 73. I, you 73. Tom Kite had a three-shot lead. Uh, I was very, very upset. I went to the practice team. I figured out a little something. But now uh, I didn't know what to expect on Sunday. I knew it wouldn't be a whole lot to ask for Tom Kite to shoot one or two over in a U.S. Open at Oak Hill, very difficult golf course. So I didn't go out there feeling I had to shoot 65. I said, if I break par, I think I could be close. Could. Might not, but I think I could be close. Uh, went out there. Tom Kite made triple in the fifth hole. Game on. Smell blood. Game on. <laughs> Do now, you remember what you remembered on that? Would you remember what you what you? Oh, had I was range? two holes ahead of him, and I'll never forget. Uh, I played the first four and like even or one under, at first five or six. And I part every hole. Uh, now I heard these rumors, and I didn't want to listen, and. I got confirmed like on seven or eight that he'd made triple. Game on. Uh, I'll never forget this. Going down 10, he'd made another bogey or two. And this dear friend of mine uh, from the Richmond Times Dispatch gave him the thumbs up, which means I had to leave. And I had to settle down the adrenaline running through my body. I'd already hit my 10th whole tee shot, and I had to settle down. That's when it got tough. Yeah, I mean, you, you have you have eight holes left, and I you've got, have you've got to try holes. to keep the emotions together. It, no, absolutely. And anybody that plays has ever played any sport or any business dealings, you have to settle down and get your wits about you. And because uh, then I said, you know what, it's it's it, we have a chance now. Do, do you think that major championships, uh, considering the fields we have in in these days, in these these golfing days, WGCs, the players, uh, the, the the FedEx Cup. I mean, you know, four playoff events with all the best players in the world, especially the best players that week. Do you think that we talk about the majors too much, or do you think that they're talked about accurately considering that they've always kind of been these four pinnacle events? I think they're talked about accurately. accurately. I think they're, they're bigger than the other events, and they should be. In the U.S. Open case, it should be the toughest, most ultimate grind there is in golf. You know why? It's our national championship. Uh, and the USGA has had an identity to set up the toughest course all year long. It's not quite that anymore, but it's still a good test. Uh, on the other hand, uh, why do we put, let me ask you a question, why do we put so much importance on four tournaments a year when there's 42? Right. Uh, there's some thought of that out there. It and, and to get in the Hall of Fame or to get a player of the year or something. There's four weeks a year. And if you happen to be unlucky, Colin Montgomery, for instance, uh, never won one. Wonderful player in the Hall of Fame. But why do we put so much pressure and importance on four tournaments? Well, and, and, you, and you start to see I feel like you start to see it more and more as, the, as these players age year by year. And, and, and a player I think about specifically is Ricky Fowler. You would consider yeah. him a young player. I would consider him a young player. He's been on tour for quite a while. Yeah. And now I think that most people would say he's the best player without a major championship. I think with Sergio knocking that off the list, it, it, Ricky's atop that list. I had a conversation about this on a podcast with with with, uh, with Shipnuck, and, and we talked, we yeah. narrowed it down. We said, he's the guy. Well, let me ask you something. I, 
I might disagree a little bit off the top of my head. You would think that, but Matsuyama is ranked fourth in the world. Right. And, and he was on the list as well. And he's, yeah, he's right yeah. there as well. I mean, yeah. him and Ricky, and, and they they both great young players. No, yeah. But, but you know, when you're Ricky Fowler and every major you go through and you don't win, the pressure builds. And we saw it at Augusta. And so I just feel like right now, we talk mm-hmm. about the social media age, the 24-hour networks. I feel like right now, it seems like winning a major is the hardest thing in golf, especially if you have the lead, because you've got to sleep on that lead. And it seems like we see more often than not, the player sleeping on the lead with one round to go. We saw with Shane Lowry last year, just can't do it that final round because there's so much pressure and so much that comes with that major win. You know, at me as an individual going through my career and, and, and knowing my makeup, social media would, would drive me crazy <laughs> because now you're, now everybody's tweeting and, and texting that good luck tomorrow. I, I wanted to go back to my hotel room and not look at anything. Don't turn on. Now you did turn on the news. Right. Because you wanted to see your picture on the news. <laughs> and that's all it was. This was, this was at the birth of ESPN right. back in the day. But, you know, you, you kind of wanted to get away from it. Right. You go to dinner and not talk golf. But now they don't get away from their phones, and and that's fine. I'm not I'm not disparaging them. I just think it would be tougher now, and it puts more pressure on you. I I, I totally agree. I think yeah. that the, the brand building has put a lot more pressure on these players because mm-hmm. once you get to a certain stature, now you have to add that, or you're the guy without one. You know, I mean, Dustin was the guy without yeah. one. But as you as you progress in your career, if you're a good enough player, you're probably going to have that that title for a while. Right. For a while. For a week. Month, six months, two years, whatever. How long did Sergio have it? Well, he had it for a while. Right. Yeah. I had it for a month. I was lucky. Who who, who knocked it off before you? You know, I don't remember. Uh, but right started before me, you the best player without well, I, I, I won. I was, in 1988, I was having a really good year. I'd won twice. Um, I'd won the Memorial two weeks before the U.S. Open. Hale Ward would call me the, the best player in the world. And I saw him the next day, and I said, Thanks a lot, pal. <laughs> what are you doing to me? You put me in a bad spot. So I won two weeks later, and I so I was very, very lucky in that respect. You so what you're saying is that when we rank the people that have the number one in the world rankings for like <coughs> 500 weeks, you had the shortest. Rank I had the shortest. Thank goodness. Yes, that's a good thing to do. That's a good thing to check off. But you know, I mean, we, we see, we see. Like, I feel like sometimes it takes guys getting to where Sergio was mentally and in their personal life. Where golf isn't the most important thing to let loose a little bit, to, to relax a hair, and finally win. I mean, it took Phil a long time to do it. It took Phil a long time to win a major. It took everybody a long time to win, win a major except a few. Right. Exceptions. Tiger Woods, Jack Nicklaus. Jordan um, Spieth, Rory. Jordan Spieth, Rory. We're talking about a handful, five, six, or seven guys. Right. And the rest of it, Tom Watson struggled with winning a tournament for a while. Uh, Wisecough struggle. Wisecough. It's just, it's hard. There's a lot of moving parts. There's a lot of, it's four days of competition. Right. It's not two and a half or three hours of a baseball game and, and, or a football game. It's four days of walking eight miles a day on a golf course that potentially could have a lot of wind, 14 blind shots. If you put wind on the elevation changes out here with the blind shots, you've not a guy got to hit a lot of good shots. You've got to pick a lot of clubs in the wind, which is lucky at times. And you've got to have some resolve. You've got to have patience. You've got to make some putts. And you've got to deal with the pressure come the weekend. It's a lot of a lot that has to come together. 
And you got to get lucky. I mean, look what happened to Phil last bit. year at the Open Championship. He played unbelievable golf. He would have known so yeah, many yeah, Opens. Yeah. And he runs into a guy that was playing unbelievable. So yeah. I love to ask guys this question, Curtis. And I'm going to see if you have an answer quick here. Okay. What's the one tournament in your career that you think back on and you go, I should have won that damn tournament? 85 Masters. Look at that. Did I, that was within a second. Did, well, I, I'm asked it a lot, but I, but I, in my career, that's it. I was lucky that, you know, I wasn't in contention to really, really win, but so many times. I was lucky that I, I bust through that door a lot when I had a chance. Um, but the Masters was the one I had one of my better chances, and I didn't. And, you know, I, I took it personal that I thought that maybe I was tougher than the next guy or more resilient than the next guy or a tougher competitor, whatever it might be. That was my, my, that was my thing. And I let it slip away, and it and it was devastating for a while. And to come back from that, that was well, that's the way I made up. The best thing for me to do was get back in competition, and, and in contention as quickly as possible. Um, and which fortunately did happen. But the Masters being a major championship, you know, it's it's the first major of the year. It's you know, it's Bobby Jones and Clifford Roberts, Augusta National. It's it's all the greats of the game. And it's the green jacket and the and the dinner, and I I I'm not able to go there, right? Um, and to the champions dinner, and it, uh, hey, I was I had a, a wonderful career. I, I don't regret anything, but I do think back. That's on the that. one that pops up in your oh, head. Right. Everybody's got one. Zinger was sitting. Oh, at, yeah. I'm sitting. British with Open. Oh yeah. Well, yeah. He, he was talking about that. We were sitting at dinner at, at at the new media center at the Masters, yeah. you know, and it's yeah. this unbelievable place. And he's sitting and he had his head down and he looked up. And I should have won this tournament twice. And he started, you know, and he, and oh, yeah. he still gets to him. You know, I mean, this is a guy that hasn't played, you know, on the PGA Tour probably, what, 15 years? That's why years. he was successful. Right. Because you still think about it. Well, it's why we, we competed. And it meant so much to us. I didn't blow off. I didn't blow off losses very well. Now, nobody does. Right. But when looking back on it, I didn't blow off losses very well. They hung with me too long. And then I didn't. I didn't celebrate victories enough. So I guess what I'm trying to say is that I was hard on myself. Right. And But Zinger was too. We weren't too different on the golf course. And uh, uh, it was – but that's that's what you need to be, I think. You're competing against the best. And, you know, we just – you know, there wasn't much other. You you practiced. You played. You, you practiced some more. We got into the working out. I ran a lot. And then mentally, you had to be ready. Yeah, you know. Yeah, the, the, the only thing you can do is on Sunday, you go have a couple of drinks and go to sleep and try to forget about what just happened. That's it. I mean, that you know, I was a cheap drunk on Sunday night. <laughs> you know, Sarah and I, when we first started on tour, we we didn't have any money at all, and and we didn't drink. And of course, on Sunday night, we'd get a six pack and we'd split it. We'd both be hammered. <laughs> Good to go. Yeah, that's that right. Was, it's a little different than now. It it is, you, it you, you weren't wheels up and it left and right. No, no, no. Well, I was. I'll get you out on this because yeah. I've taken up enough of your time. No, but good. Um, do you feel like Aaron Hills is a ball striker golf course or a short game golf course? Every golf course is a combination. Okay, it really is. Uh, the cr- three keys on any golf course is to drive it in the fairway because it sets up the rest of the hole. If you drive it in the fairway, control your iron shots, have the proper yardage and hit it that proper yardage, and then make a few putts. If you miss greens, which you will, can you chip and putt? Do you have the intestinal fortitude to forget about that second shot that you might have just missed and forget about it and now grind it off to make get it up and down? 
That's what saves rounds and tournaments. It's not all the birdies. Everybody's going to make a few birdies. Everybody's going to hit some good shots. But can you save the shots? I won a U.S. Open by one shot. I won a U.S. Open in a playoff. Do you know how many, how close that is right. over 72 holes? I mean, you can't afford to give anything footer. up. It's a two-and-a-half-footer that you don't concentrate on one time. And let's not forget – the first tee shot Thursday morning is just as important as that last yeah. shot. We give that last shot of the last round. It's under the microscope. We seem to think they're more important. They're not. So you have to, whoever has the 730 tee time come tomorrow morning, if he's going to contend, has to grind from 730 on tomorrow morning. Every shot matters. Every uh, shot. Curtis, you get to do something pretty cool on Sunday. You get to yeah, we, yeah. You tell what you get to do. Well, I've, I've been asked to whoever wins to interview the winner. Uh, right outside the scorer's tent. And I've been, I've been fretting about it for five weeks. I'm prepared already. Uh, I think it'll come to me pretty quickly because I'll be out there for four straight days walking with either the winner or in the last group. And uh, I just want to do a got, good job. I want, to, I want to ask the pertinent questions that brings out what this guy is really feeling right now, what he felt for the last four days, and then concisely I want to hit his emotions on what this U.S. Open means for him, to him, especially when he holds that trophy. Because when you hold that trophy and you look at we met in Jones and Hogan and Nelson and Nicholas and Palmer and Tree, it's a special feeling. Yeah, it's unbelievable. And, and, and one more thing, Curtis Strange, not just now on Twitter, but he is involved on Twitter. Involved. I'll tell you his handle. You know, it is at golf underscore strange. Give him a follow. He's been having some fun with it. He's uh, he's learning all the ins and outs and all the tricks. And uh, and make sure you give him a follow. It's Curtis Strange. He's going to be out on the golf course the whole week giving you little tidbits. You got it. Thank you. I'm enjoying it so far. Be nice. <laughs> yeah, be nice to the guy. Be, be nice. nice. To the guy. We nice. all are going to make mistakes. He's going to do a great job, Curtis. I appreciate the time. Two-time U.S. Open champion. It looks like I'm a wreck. It's in the hole. It's in the hole. Many thanks to Curtis Strange and Paul Azinger again. Paul is going to get so sick of me. Many thanks to those two guys for joining me here on this uh, on-location clubhouse podcast here at Aaron Hills. A reminder, go to OGO.com. Don't just check out the golf bags. Check out their backpacks. They're the best backpacks in the market. I see more and more people traveling with them as they should. They're the best backpacks for travel. You can have everything you want in them. Plus, they, they keep everything super, super safe, including your laptop and your tablet and those expensive headphones you love to have on the plane. I will not go anywhere without my Renegade Clubhouse backpack from Ogio. They put it a little logo on there. I love it. They also sent me a golf bag. If you haven't seen it, I'm going to post it on social. They sent me a golf bag for my trip to Scotland next week with my clubhouse logo on it. They'll do that for you. They'll personalize your bag. Why put your name on it? Well, you can put something cool. Maybe make your own logo. It's not a bad idea. Do it. You probably probably should be a single handicap if you do that, though. Excited for the U.S. Open week. Hope you guys are excited as well. We will be showing everything we can from Fox and FS1 the entire week. Check out the social channels at the Clubhouse Pod, at Shane Bacon, and we will be bringing you social throughout the week on the telecast. So if you see something funny, if you see something fun, if you have a, a comment, just tag me on it, at Shane Bacon, so I can see it. You might make the uh, the telecast. Who knows? Hope you get in some golf. If you're going to do it, get it in super early so you can watch the entire U.S. Open from Aaron Hills. We're really, really excited about it here. Hope you guys have a great rest of your week. 